Thanks for listening to another podcast from C3 Calgary West. Our hope is that this message will equip and inspire you in your walk with God. For more information about our church, check out our website at myc3church.ca or find us on Instagram at C3 Calgary West. Yeah, yeah. Um, th- just so we all know, the um, we we've, we've titled it Legacy, and uh, it's not specifically like for. I mean, if any every man's a son, and we've all had fathers, and if you're if you don't have a legacy, we're we're gonna believe God's gonna begin one with us. If you haven't been, none of us have been properly fathered. But the idea is we can be refathered, and um, so everybody's invited. It's not just for for sons and fathers to come; it's for all men to show up. And um, so I want to make sure that that's clear. And um, isn't this great? Gosh, what great worship! I sometimes get kind of lost in worship, and then I have to kind of do this. I love worshiping. <laughs> I do. Last week, we thanks for all your interest and your questions. Uh, I created lots of questions. I know. Uh, I did for myself, and uh, I totally did. Spirit, soul, and body, is a, it's, a, it's a complex thing, and we are all multidimensional beings. Um, well, the Bible says we're at least three. Uh, that's true. And I think that a large percentage of the issues that we face in life are soulish issues. And Romans chapter 8 and verse 6 says that the mind that's set on the flesh is death, but, but the mind that's set on the spirit is life and peace. Um, it's kind of like we got two minds, don't we? The mind of Christ and then our other mind that's intertwined with our brain, which is so important why we learn to pray in the spirit so we can pull the spirit world into our physical experience. That's what we need to do. So, it's interesting to me, you know, um, when we have guest speakers here, I think I just want not, to not assume we, why, that you know why we do what we do. And um, um, let's not... Let's not um, think that, like what qualifies someone to, um, you know, speak, for example, you know, or share the truth, because the fact is we're all in this process of being healed and being whole, and, and the miracle is that he, he, he uses us while we're in the process of being healed. None of us have arrived, that, and so we have to, but when people come to speak and they come here, we usually give them a, uh, we usually clap for them. Because the word is celebrate, like the monk in heaven that was crying, right? Why are you crying? Well, because the word was celebrate. Um, <laughs> but sometimes, you know, um, we had a lady from leave our church once because they clapped for me when I got up to speak. And they said, you know, that's going to create a lot of pride in you. I said, well, um, frankly, the Lord chooses the weak and the foolish. So I don't think there's real danger in pride. I mean, we're all in danger of pride. But secondly, we we clap not for the person that's getting up to speak specifically. Um, I think we do it for ourselves. Do they need to hear it or do you need to do it? (laughs) 1 Timothy 5.17 actually says that those who preach and teach among you are worthy of double honor. What does that mean? Some translations would say double the pay. Um, Maybe. But it at least means that 
we need to have somebody in our life or somewhere in our life we're honoring somewhere because honor is a pathway, a spiritual pathway, and blessing flows on that pathway. And so I think it's good for us to celebrate people, and I don't think we should ever lose the spirit of celebration. And I think that, um, I think that that's good for us to, to honor. And, uh, and so that's one of the reasons why we do what we do. Um, Reading through 1 Samuel chapter 16, this is the introduction. When Samuel said, uh, do you have any other sons? Because he was picking a king. And, uh, and he said, yeah, there's one other one. He's out in the, out in the pasture. And uh, he said, okay, go get him, uh, and we'll stand here and wait until he comes. What an interesting thing, eh? They, they couldn't sit down until the young king we don't even know how far away the pasture was. We said, okay, we're just going to, we just said, everybody just stand. <laughs> maybe, maybe another reason why it's just good for us to, because in the Sunday service, we get out of something what we put into it. And if you sit with your arms crossed, it's quite likely you'll go home exactly the same as when you came, maybe a little worse, a little harder. It's possible to do. And, uh, and then he says this, he says, um, Let's not be confused because maybe, maybe Eliab there, he looks like a king, but God doesn't look on the outside of a man. He looks on the inside. He looks at things differently. <laughs> this is intriguing to me because it, it, it implies that there's two of us. There's an inner and an outer. And the Bible says that the things that you see are temporal and the things that you don't see are eternal. There's, a, there's, there's what's seen and then what's not seen. I, I, I'm not sure if my body, going back to those circles about spirit, soul, and body, I'm not sure if my body can worship. I think my body can sing, but it requires my spirit to worship, which is why something happens at transactional in worship. And uh, I think this is, and, and actually, worship is like a spiritual structure because it says actually that God inhabits praises. I have no idea how that works. I've just confused myself with that passage right there. <laughs> but something happens transactionally when we worship because, of course, God is already indwelling within us, but somehow he comes in a gathering or in a, when we sing in the middle of our challenge. It somehow invokes the presence of God. I don't know how it works, but I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to sing. I'm going to sing in the middle of a storm. Learn to sing in the middle of storms. Okay. Introduction, all introduction. Um, once more, the disclaimer, I am learning. I am learning so much. And um, I've entitled my message this morning, Life in Ladderville. L-A-D-D-E-R, Life in Ladderville. <laughs> well, the, fa the fact is this is um, you and I, uh, our, our life becomes limited to the things that we can't get past. And we, and we may even get stuck at a certain rung on the ladder. Of course, Covey and others have brilliantly reminded us that our, the ladder we're climbing could be leaning against the wrong sort of building that we're even interested in getting to the top of. So what's life like in Ladderville? I was thinking of bringing a bunch of ladders in here for a day, and then we'd be ladder day. <laughs> Why not? Why wouldn't I try that? <clears throat> So you and I are multidimensional beings. In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, 
it says, God said this, let us, let us make man in our image. Right? This is plural. You are not one-dimensional. You are multi-dimensional. And my encouragement is you pay more attention to your inner person than the outer person. That you keep score on what's going on on the inside more than the outside. Not that the outside's not important. And so, just kind of um, in terms of thinking about looking on the inside, and I think it's, it's very common to look on the outside. And, and it may be because it's too painful to look on the inside. And maybe it's difficult, to be honest. But I think that, personally, Western culture imposes a metric for spiritual maturity that may not be correct, but it's very easy to do, where we count how frequently we're in church, or we count how much we read the scriptures. Really, both are really critically important. We count how much we give, which is very important. But you can do all those things and not mature spiritually, because they can all be external activities. Um, it's interesting to me, because, because I find sometimes as people get older in their faith, they may not become, uh, they may not exhibit the fruits of the Spirit. Has anybody noticed that? I want to look back in my life and smile, be proud of what I've done. But I've found that you can get older and actually become more critical, more judgmental, more divisive, that age actually doesn't heal you, <laughs> kills you, <laughs> age. <clears throat> um, what about areas like peace and patience and self-control and perseverance? What about those? Uh, these are what form our character, our inner worlds, and ultimately our capacity. You can ask an ex-politician or an ex-executive or an ex-preacher what's more important. Maybe it's gift and competence that'll get you in the door, but it's only character that'll keep you in the room. So focusing on the right thing is critically important for us. Um, we need each other, and that's why it's important, I believe, that we gather together. H has anybody ever tried tickling themselves? You can't. You need another, which has zero bearing on the message other than, <laughs> other than I think it's important that we understand that we need each other, is that, that life is not a solo performance, that we, it's required that we have, be in a body and have people who will help us with blind spots because we all have them and don't know we have them because by virtue of a blind spot, you're blind to that spot. All right, Ephesians chapter, I'm, I'm just going to scoot through a few things and, and I want you to just turn to 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 11, but I'm going to scoot few, through uh, last week's talk on, on, um, on spirit, soul, and body very briefly. 1 Thessalonians chapter 5 and verse 23. Now may the God of peace, I love that phrase, um, make you holy in every way and make, you, make your whole spirit, soul, and body, may it be kept blameless until that day when our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. And one of my life verses, God who calls you is faithful, he will do it. Who's the one that does that work in us? God who does that work in us. We need, and by agreement, only by agreement does that happen to us. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 11 Speaking to followers, he says, brothers and sisters, you are foreigners and aliens. <laughs> Ever had an alien encounter? <clears throat> uh, so I warn you to keep away from evil desires because they fight against your very soul. 
Keep away from evil desires. Desires, is that physical, spiritual, or is it soulish? I know, I wonder. Matthew 10, verse 28 says, Don't be afraid of those who can kill you because they can only kill your body. Which is significant. But he said, actually, don't worry about those people. Worry about those that can damage the inner part of you, your souls. If I were to ask you, how, how are you feeling? You'd tell me physically how are you feeling. You might tell me emotionally how you're feeling. If I were to ask you, how is your soul? Do you even have, a, do we even have ways to vocalize how, what's going on in our inner worlds? How's your soul? The inner man, Luke chapter 6, says that out of the good treasure... Uh, good, good treasure, and there's good treasure and there's bad treasure. And uh, he says that out of the abundance of the mouth, the heart speaks. So there's at least, I think, and I'm actually interested in the heart quite a bit because uh, I'm not sure if you're aware how important this is, but that's what we're to be guarding. So we should know what it is. Our hearts, what part is that of you? There's no, because what can happen, the Bible says well, you can be tender hearted, you can be hard hearted. Bible um, also refer, refers to being brokenhearted. And one of the six mission states of Je- statements of Jesus was that he and only he is able to bind up brokenhearted people. I think that's phenomenal. We could pray for brokenhearted people this morning. We might. Uh, that's not, maybe we will. But, um, but we, have, we have different hearts. One that you can see, there's a physical heart. Pumps 14,000 pints of blood a day, it beats 110,000 times in 24 hours, but there's also a mystical part of us, an unseen heart, which I personally believe is where your soul and your spirit overlap, that's what I think, and I think it's a doorway, if your door is open just a crack in your heart, you're only going to get just a little bit of spiritual life into your soul and even less into your body, that it's a limiting factor for us, and... um, our heart is a significant thing. It's possible to miss the main thing, the, the eternal things. 2,000 years ago, Jesus made an assessment of a man that focused on temporal things versus eternal things in Luke chapter 12. And um, I think I'll just have you put that up on the screen because I use the, the um, I think, do you have that passage there? I think I sent it. Yeah, yeah, this is from the English Standard Version. I think it's actually better. I'll say to my soul, <laughs> this is, you ever talk to your soul? David talked to his soul. He said, hey, soul, why are you downcast? I love that song, The Great Is Thy Faithfulness, Then Sings My Soul. And I, happen to th- I think um, there's actually more me singing than just my soul, uh, nevertheless. He, he um, talking about the story of a rich fool, the, uh, he says, um, uh, let me just kind of scoot along. He says, don't be greedy for what you don't have. Real life is not measured by how much you own. I'm talking about live life in Ladderville. Um, so he had a, he had, the man had a fertile farm that produced good crops. And uh, so he said, my, my barns are full. I'm going to build bigger barns. Then I'll have room enough to store my stuff. He felt that life consisted of stuff. If you looked at my garage, you'd think the same thing of me. But then he said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to speak to my soul. This is all an internal dialogue, of course. He said, and, and then he, of course, how do you address your soul? You say, soul? <laughs> you, I'm, I'm deep. I'm going very deep right now. 
Uh, you have ample goods laid up for many. Relax, eat, drink, and be merry. All things that are fleshly and or carnal, carnal mind. Wait, the five senses, your carnal, the carnal part of you is simply five senses. But God said, you're a fool. Didn't say he's evil. Didn't say he's malicious. He just says you're measuring temporal things, and I'm more concerned with eternal things. That's really all he's saying. And uh, because this night, your soul, not your should, but your soul, I probably typed that, is required of you. What if your soul was required of you tonight? How is your soul? And the things that you've prepared, whose will they be? So is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. What's it mean to be rich towards God? I find this a very compelling statement. And so, uh, and so is the one who lays up treasure for himself and is not rich towards God. The executive that works very hard from 7 a.m. till 7 p.m. every night will be likely quite successful and fondly remembered by his wife's next husband. <laughs> you fool. He calls him a fool. Um, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 15, and I, I honestly just love this passage. Um, it's, it's just so interesting because the whole chapter of 15 is about what's going on inside. Um, I gasped when I read it because he's quoting Isaiah when he says, These people honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. <gasps> That's what I did. Gosh, where's my heart? Because I do honor you with my lips. But where's my heart? The inner person. Where's he? How's he doing? Does, does he honor? And, and, and then, G, and then the, the disciples, um, I'm just like Peter, verse 15, explain what you meant when you said that you're not defiled by what you eat. Jesus said, don't you understand? Anything, that, anything you eat passes through the stomach and then goes out the body. It's a simple biology He says, but evil words, they come from an evil heart and defile the person. Food doesn't defile you. It makes you, like, f f food feeds the flesh. It's pretty simple, right? But he says, there's something more important than just your flesh. He says, what you eat or what you drink, which we're not to let, remind, don't let anybody judge you on what you eat or what you drink, what day you worship, what you, none of that stuff. He said, all that stuff is just external stuff. The really important stuff is what's going on in the heart. The inner person. He says, for from the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, lying, and slander. I was thinking like theft, right? Theft. No, no, theft comes from your hand taking something. No, it starts in the heart. <laughs> it, it's, and, then it, and then it starts to grow because we water it with another, another, another. This is how window shopping works. Uh, can't you just see yourself in that Lexus? Heck yeah, what do you do next? You're just thinking about it, thinking about next thing. You're overextending yourself. You're buying that bad boy because you've seen yourself in it. Um, says the heart, uh, these are what defile you. Eating with unwashed hands could never defile you and make you acceptable to God. It's really interesting because he's defining what religion is. It's all these outward actions with a cold heart. It's a frightening possibility, I think. Um, the lesson, this is a lesson from Las Vegas. You can't beat the house. You, got, you drive down the strip, right, and you, got to, you say, who's winning here? You can't beat the house. Uh, 
Next point, what's the object then of this game of life? We're going to live in Ladderville and we're going to be climbing a ladder. Uh, what's the object? God says, he made it quite clear. And I think that we need to be aware that the object of life might be different than what culture is telling you is the object of life. What, what if that's the case? What if it's not what you know or what you have, but how you love? What about that? Um, we're told that we're to love God with your inner and outer world. When we come to Christ, our spiritual nature gets completely transformed. We are no longer our own. We've been bought with a prize. All things have passed away, old things have passed away, and all things have become new. And most of us, when we got saved, we realized, no, same, same body. Well, what became new? Your spirit became brand new. Brand new. I personally believe it's untouchable. To love with your heart, soul, mind, strength, and your neighbor and yourself, everything else is commentary. No one can do this and be a fool. And no one can fail to do this and be rich in God's eyes. Um, I have learned, I'm not sure if you've learned yet or not, but you can't love, you can't love me. I don't know if you've tried this, I've tried it most of my life. You can't love on sheer, sheer willpower alone. Try it. Let me suggest that most of us have. I'm going to love. How'd that go? Can't do it. It's, un, it's like tickling yourself. It won't work. So how does that happen? You need a... You need a a transformation on the inside. You need an injection of love before you can reflect love. Here's what I've learned. I've learned that I can't receive what I'm not willing to give. This has a, a, been a, quite a journey for me. What if we had two types of stickers? Uh, stickers that had a T on them and stickers that had an E on them. So you've got two armloads of stickers. And you went through your world, and you put the T sticker on the things that were temporal. And you put the E stickers on the things that were eternal. With a very heavy heart, I put that T sticker on my Chevy. Very heavy heart. With an equally heavy heart, I put that T on my Harley. Where would you put the E? You put it on your kids. You put it on your spouse. Hopefully, you'd put that E on that disrespectful person at the counter at co-op because they're eternal as well. Hopefully, you'd put it on that disrespectful driver that cut you off because he's eternal as well. Where do you put your T and your E's? You put them on your grandkids. The E's go on people. But what you see on the outside is only such a, it's just a shell of who they are. Where do you put those E stickers? To love God is to love others and to love yourself. There's only one thing that can steal this from you. At least, there's probably more, but here's one thing I want to address right now. And that's, and that's comparison. This is, this is one of those those toxins of the soul. Competition and comparison. Um, scorekeeping. I need to make a, a, a brief little confession because this, 
goes for all of us. Social media has helped us compare, hasn't it? Instagram done, done us a favor by just saying others rather than, hey, they got 10,000 likes, I got four, what the heck? We're trained, we're trained in comparison. You and I are all, we're all, it's built deep within us. And here's, here's what happens when you're a pastor of a church, is you compare as well. How does it feel to be chattel? How many is in your church? I hate pastor's breakfasts for this reason. I usually say, not quite at a thousand yet. <laughs> so shut up. I got, a, I got a confession to make because at our conference we had a, there was a special breakout session for people that had a thousand plus. I had to deal with an ugly attitude in my heart, after which I addressed the overseers of our movement and said, what are you doing like that? What are you? I hate trying to measure up, like what a terrible thing. But it's built within us all. How do you deal with those, the toxin of comparison in your soul? What are you competing with and who are you competing? It's interesting, yesterday we went to my son's, uh, grandson's basketball game and everybody's watching the scoreboard. And especially the kids, my son said, they lost so terribly in the, earlier today that we just turned the scoreboard off because it was demoralizing. <laughs> Has anybody ever felt that way? Like you're saying, I'm, I'm doing my best to keep up, am I, am I okay? Because we measure, y'all measure, you can't help it. You're born with it within you. The question is, how, what, what are you keeping score with? Or wouldn't it be great if you know, everybody measured the same? No, measuring like in how many hoops you get, it's, it's different basketball than golf. Have you noticed? It's how few scores you get. That's interesting. But we all measure. Um, the, the, the sense of scoring, is, it's deep within us. And um, I think that there's three important scorekeepers. It starts with parents, because we work for approval, do we not? You work for those smiles, you work for the attaboys. You're all thinking, no one's nodding, but you know what I mean. Am I okay, mom? Am I okay, dad? You look to be okay in the eyes of your parents. It's not long after that that you, you look, you get measured when you're in school. Those scorecards are report cards. Am I measuring up? I just quit after grade three, I just quit. No, not school, but quit going for an A. I was a C student, I'm an awesome C student. <laughs> well, kind of C, D, but I was good at other things. I was excellent at recess. <clears throat> then there's, there's others that we work for to keep score with, and sometimes I think that we're trying to keep score in a game that we think everybody's playing, but nobody's really playing. You just got, you're playing your own game. You're playing with yourself in the right sense. You're, sorry. But you just, right, because you're, you're measuring right against yourself or something, right, and nobody else cares. Hey, did you notice that new thing I got? No, nobody notices. They're hoping you notice theirs. In the, in the Bible, it's hilarious, that, that Rachel and Leah thing. They're comparing babies. Did, 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 have you ever read through that? And just, it's just hilarious. Ah, oh, she got one. Okay, 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 Jacob, I get you tonight. He's exhausted. <laughs> no, no, I need one more. Who's going to, and this goes to my ledger. I get one more. Oh, it's another male. Good, another male. I hope I don't get a daughter. And I hope, it's just, they're keeping score. 
It's awful. Then the tiebreaker was a girl. Um, poor Jacob. <clears throat> it starts earlier. It starts with Cain and Abel. Is my offering acceptable? What did that lead to? <laughs> Adam had a few bad apples in the batch. What did that lead to? See, but, see, because Abel gave a different, he gave a lamb. It seemed to me, I feel that was really unfair. Does anybody notice that life is unfair? If you're trying to make it fair, you're going nuts. It's unfair. Just get over it, but it's fine. Don't, don't try to keep track. Well, we've invited 10 people over, you know, in the last year, and we've only been invited to three. Well, quit keeping score. Just give. It doesn't matter. <laughs> Who cares? You're the one that's obsessing about it. Nobody else in the entire world cares. <laughs> that's your little world. <laughs> David, David, Saul's killed a thousand, but David has killed the tens of thousands. It's all through the scriptures. It's funny to, it's not funny, it's, it's, it's depressing, but because what happened in the life of Cain, comparison led to murder, did it not? He just, it had to have an outlet. I'm not keeping up, so I got to do something. And he ended up taking out his competition. <laughs> led to murder. Let me submit to you that I think that our behavior will be determined by the emotional scorecard that we are keeping. To some, I know we measure a lot. On the outside, I, I realize that. I, I hypothesize that many of us keep scores to a game that nobody cares about. First step to accepting yourself will require you stop comparing yourself to others. It's toxic for the soul. You can focus on the body. You can exercise it. You can starve it. You can Botox it. You can Rogaine it. You can stretch it, you can nip it, you can tuck it, you can tan it, but old man wrinkle is coming for everybody. <laughs> you wake up one morning and you go, hey, those are my parents' hands. <laughs> yeah, yeah, old man wrinkle can wait. He'll, he'll wait for you. Get, a, get everything cut and do what you need to do. But he's coming for us all. Here's what, what's important. Paul said this, even though my outward man is not doing that well, my inner man is getting stronger and stronger and stronger. Isaiah would say, if you learn to wait on the Lord, that you'll actually renew strength and you'll rise up like a young man again, young woman again. It requires the inner life being tended to. I know we pay attention to the outer life, but I'm just saying, our inner life is the big one. It's a bit disappointing the North Pole and your body and the South Pole decide they're going to meet at the equator. And what are you going to... My buddy French, Greg French says, oh, you got such a cute punch there, Lauren. I said, shut up. I don't have any. What do you... It's good to have friends. <laughs> Just encourage you. The outer man is wasting away. Yet the inner man can be renewed day to day to day. There's three types of comparisons. Um, comparison... It'll either make you feel inferior or superior, none of which serve you or your purpose well. There's three types. Uh, there's upward comparison, those who are better off. There's lateral comparison. This is what psychologists say. I, I found it interesting. Lateral, those who are the same level. And then there's downwards, those who are worse off than us. Every level is dangerous because of the issues of the soul. Competing, comparing, envy, jealousy, or arrogance and pride. I'm doing better than them. At least I'm not like them. <clears throat> each, 
Each of these, upward, lateral, downward, will keep you from one of the greatest virtues of your life, and that's gratitude. You'll, as long as you're comparing, you'll never be thankful because you never quite, and which is an access point for the presence of God. How does that work? I'm not sure, but I sure know it's good for the soul. But as long as you're comparing, you're not going to be able to do that. <clears throat> um, um, I read in Luke chapter 12 there earlier this week, and it says, beware of all kinds of greed. Beware of all kinds of greed. I ask myself, how many kinds are there? <laughs> Isn't it just one big, ugly, black, or green blob? Beware of all kinds. So I've been praying for certain families, and I go, that's right, that's right. I need, they're, they're, I got to pray for their greed. Holy Spirit just went like this. He said, no, it's you. And I go, hold it, I'm the pastor. <laughs> it's horrible to think when you're confronted. This is beautiful because the Word of God can either do this. Have you ever, because it's good for reproof. Have you ever been reproved by scriptures or instructed? I just speed up when I'm reading. I go, oh, oh, hurts. Greed, really? That's in my heart? Where, where, wherever could that be? Here's where it can be, is if I want our church to grow without caring about the individual lives, loving those people. We count people because people count. But ones count. Every one of you is incredibly valuable in the eyes of God. And there's nothing you could ever do to make him more proud of you than he, does, he is right now. <clears throat> um, my last point. Nobody can make you feel inferior without your consent. You'll find that comparison steals your confidence. We reveal our confidence in ourselves when we stop trying to measure up to other people, competing and comparing. The entire life of Jesus is not a story of somebody climbing up a ladder, rung after rung in Ladderville. When you read Philippians chapter 2 and verse 5, it says, let your attitude to this be the same as Christ Jesus. Let it be the same. He, it says that, so when you think of him, okay, though he was God, okay, so that puts him at the top of the organizational chart of the universe. He, there's no one that can, can, can compare. But here's what he chose to do. Though he was God, he did not demand or cling to his rights as God. And he had good grounds to. And to cling to that title. But, but he gave that up so he could become the servant in human forms, limiting himself and humbling himself. And later he would go all the way to be obedient unto death. Who, who, who could he ever have compared himself to? He's, he's without precedent, without peer. Here, here, here's the danger of you and I climbing this ladder in Ladderville. The danger is this, is on our way up, we might miss Jesus because he's coming down. It's a downward mobility as a follower of Christ, and somehow he says that if you want to be great, you have to learn to serve. I think I like being served. No, no, he didn't say those who serve you. He said you learning to serve. And then he proved his full extent in John chapter 13. And it says that he took off his outer garment and he picked up a towel and he chose to serve. It's one of, the, one of the most counterintuitive, deeply kingdom qualities 
that will expose your heart in a second. Here's how you'll learn how, where your heart's at is when you start to serve. You want to see, are people watching? Remember, it's, what's seen is temporal. Every day we should be doing things that nobody sees because it's part of circumcising the heart. I've got my reward for preaching today publicly. But there was time that went into this that you'll never see because it required a survey of my own heart. The, the great reward of prayer and intercession is the unseen part. You'll never know. You will never know. Someday there'll be a ledger in heaven, perhaps. But those five words, well done, good and faithful servant. To be well done means you have to finish well. Good and faithful. What can I be faithful with? What can I be good at? This is always a, a, a complex passage for me. Because what can I do that he never motivated me to do? It's all about him. It's from him, to him, by him. It's, it's only him at work in me. How can he thank me for the works that he did in me? We need to stop comparing. We need to stop competing. And we need to start to learn about caring for the inner man and dealing with these toxins that will steal life. Life set on the flesh is death, <clears throat> but life set on the spirit is life and peace. Could you stand with me, please? Thanks for listening. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast and check out our website at myc3church.ca. See you next week.